Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat real quick. Man, we've gathered together and we're at the place right now where we really would like a word from the Lord. And I got one from the Lord back there just before I came up here. And uh, listen, I do believe in the masculinity of God Almighty. But when she says to me, hey, you don't have to yell today. Let the sound booth do it. I hear that as a word from God himself through her. And I'm good with that. I'm going to give that a shot, okay? So you in the booth, if you need me um, to do something, I'll do it. Here's the deal. Man, there's, there's times in our lives. I want to talk to you about this, okay? I want to talk to you about a moment, okay? I just want to talk to you about a moment. I want each of you to stop and think, is there something going on in your life that in a moment it could be changed? That if God would just, just step in in the moment that it would work out? I've been trying to do the math in my head, and I think it was in 1987. Uh, my wife and I were uh, um, getting settled in in the Dayton, Ohio area, and uh, housing and urban development was doing a thing called uh, urban um, homesteading. And uh, she had done some, uh, a little bit of research and found out that they were giving houses away, okay? People that had, you know, gotten into uh, 12 and 15% loans for their mortgages walking away from their houses. And they were literally giving these houses away. But you had to qualify and you had to do the thing. And we, she had just heard a little blurb about it. And the fact of the matter was that she began to chase this thing down. She just began to chase it, began to chase it, began to chase it. And I was like, I don't think this is going to go anywhere. But she kept chasing it and chasing it. And uh, the fall of, of 87 rolled into the winter of 88. And it was still one of those things where she was kind of just chasing it down. And I was thinking it, you know, the, the, the reality of it taking place, I didn't know. But then, whoops, no, stop, Lord, stop, stop. Um, and, but then um, the reality of us actually getting one, now I'm going to hold on to this, um, the, the reality of us actually getting one, maybe that was even a pipe dream. And it's like, I, it, how can that moment happen for us? How could that happen? Well, lo and behold, January rolled around and it actually unfolded. Um, they invited us to put our name in different places. You had to qualify for whatever house you put your name in the hat for, and we did. And then they had us come together in January someday, real cold TV stations all around, and they wound the little um, thing where, like, you play bingo, and they pulled our name out of the hat for this specific house. And here's the really cool part. The house, it, because they pulled our name out of the hat, they gave it to us for a dollar. And they apologized that the price was so high because if they didn't charge us something, then we had to pay all the taxes on it. And they were trying to avoid that. So the government, you know, sold us this house for a dollar. I, I share that story with you to, to, to share this thought with you. You know, there were times in my life when I thought, or during that process, I thought, my wife is wasting her time. She's, it, it's never going to happen. It's never going to. And then there was my wife going, it could be tomorrow. It could. And she was calling them. She was wearing them out. But it's that moment right when you feel like it's all a waste. Why don't we just give up? I want to talk to you today about that because I believe that that's what the Lord wants me to talk to you about. That moment where you just feel like, you know what? I don't want to be the person that gives up, but man, I've been praying. Can you imagine Joseph seeing a, a prophetic dream and it took 40 years for it to unfold? And so for us, four months is just like, oh, it's way too long, God. It's way too long. Four months is too long. And we give up. And I think sometimes in our lives, we give up right at the moment that God wants to do something if we will just persevere. But there are those moments in your life where, where something's about to happen and you're going to have to decide, do you keep going forward or do you not? 
I know I've shared this story before, but I had the privilege of going to Zimbabwe with a couple of friends of mine. And, and I'm telling you, jumping off that bridge 35 and a half stories up, it, it really was epic in my life. It, it just it speaks so many times. But there's the time when they put the little things on your, your bungee cords on your feet and they take you out to the edge like this. And, and then they, they said, Mr. Wood, we're going to push you. Just close your eyes. And I said, no, no, no. You're not going to push me. I am going to do a swan dive off of this thing. Just make sure you get it on video. Because if I die, I'm going home. But if I don't die, it's going to be an epic sermon illustration. And so we got it on video. But here, here's the deal. I'm right there. They back up, and I get to right here, and as my feet leave the platform, time stops. And you're like, okay, am I doing the right thing? Should I keep going? And you can't not keep going. It's 35 and a half stories down, okay? 350-some feet. And it's like, whoa. But it's that kind of a moment. It's that moment, those of you that are married, it's that moment when you like, you're sitting with the person that you want to marry. You're saying sweet nothings. You're waiting for her to turn her head so you can like whip out the ring and do the thing and do all that. But you, but you look her in the eye and you say, will you marry me? And then in that moment, time stops. And you're like, did I just do the right thing or the not right thing? <laughs> do I really want to move? It's too late. You're moving forward. But you're in that moment that you've been praying for for quite a while. Okay? And, and, and I've told people before, it's like, if you get to that moment... And somehow you're saying, man, I just hope she said yes. Then she probably should have said no. Okay? Because if you don't know the answer to that question before you ask it, you probably shouldn't be getting married yet. Okay? Just kind of tuck that away if you're not married, if you're a young person here, and you're like, how do I go about doing this? There it is. But there are moments in our lives that define us, moments that we have prayed for, moments that we've longed for. And there are even moments that we've tried to avoid. But there's the moment. And, and I believe with all of my heart, I was not raised in a Christian home, but I believe with all of my heart, we serve the God of the moment. That's why Jesus said, don't take any thought for tomorrow. Sufficient to the day today is e the evil thereof. You've got enough going on in your lives right now. Don't get all wound up about what to eat, what to wear, and where to live. Just stop and exist in the moment with your God right now. Pray for, plan for, beg for, cry out for, but then persevere in the moment. Do you have a moment like that going on in your life? A, a job moment, a relationship moment, a finance moment, an opportunity moment, an opportunity that you would like to have moment. And maybe you're at the place of saying, yeah, I had this dream one time that I really felt like it was for God, but from God, but I just, ah, it's not happening. I'm going to tell you right now, I want you to, I want you to per consider persevering in the moment. Say one more prayer. Do one more thing. Cry out to God one more time. Take one more chance. Take one more risk. Give it a shot. In Luke chapter 8, there's a story of a woman, and it's a story of a man, and it's a story of a little girl, all at the same time. The story that I want to share with you is actually the incidental story to the whole um, uh, scripture that I'm sharing with you. But, but I, uh, that's the one I want to, uh, I want to uh, focus on this morning. In Luke chapter 8, it says, Now, when Jesus returned, when he came back down to where the people were, a crowd had welcomed him, for they were expecting him. Do you live a life where you're expecting Jesus? 
Are you living a Christian life where you've kind of just given up on Jesus and God is only answering other people's prayers, not mine? See? They were expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. He had one child, excuse me, one daughter. He had one daughter. And he was going to lose her, and he was scared to death. And he came to Jesus, and he said, if there is any way at all that you could come help me, please come to my house right now, and please, 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 please heal my daughter. And so as Jesus was on his way, he was going with him. He said yes. As Jesus was on his way, the crowd almost crushed him. So many people were walking with him, waiting for him to do something miraculous, waiting for him to say something profound, waiting for him to unveil something to them, okay? And a woman was there who had been bleeding for the same amount of time that that little girl had been alive, about 12 years, okay? So she's been bleeding, but nobody could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus said. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd, people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, No, no, no. Someone touched me, and I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother him anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe she will be healed. Still living in the moment. And when he arrived at the house of Jairus, and it goes on, and Jesus heals her, and it's a miracle thing, and it's absolutely amazing. But to be honest with you, it's the other woman. Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house. He wasn't on his way to help the woman. He was on his way to the girl's house. He was going to go bring healing to her. And in the course of events, he, he stalled just long enough that she died. That lets you know how desperate this guy was. I don't know how far they had to walk. In my mind, it couldn't have been very far if she could have died that quick in the course of events. But in the case of it all, Jesus still met him. But it's that woman. It's Jesus asking that woman, who touched me? And she has to decide what she's going to do. See, the question is hanging in the air. Is she going to follow Jesus or not? Is she going to be obedient to Jesus or not? Is she going to answer the call of Jesus in her life to testify, who touched me? Or is she just going to give up? Now, this, this woman has been expending everything that she's got to try to find healing. I'm just telling you, it's not just this one shot. This is like her last shot. She has given, done everything she possibly can for 12 years to try. She's been crying out to God for 12 years to finally get some healing. And she chose not to give up. And when she showed up to where Jesus was in her condition, and I'm not going to get into all the Jewish life and culture there, but she had no business being there. And when she showed up and saw the crowd that was so big that Peter says was almost crushing Jesus, she had a decision to make in that moment. In that moment, does she press forward one more time to roll the dice one more time? Or does she give up and say, the crowd's too big, it'll never happen for me, I might as well just go home and die and bleed to death? Because that's the situation that she was actually in. And this woman, against all odds, 
decided that she was going to press into Jesus and she was going to touch the hem of his garment. And lo and behold, it was in that moment when she did not give up, when she made one more phone call, took one more risk, looked for one more opportunity, that she found the answer to her prayer. Man, we live in a, in a, in a we-want-it-right-this-second culture, don't we? I mean, we got to have everything, and pastors have said that for years. You know, when the drive through opened up and that was a novel thing, we got to have it right now. Fast food used to be something that my family did once or twice a month. That was it. And that's back when, uh, when a Big Mac was 37 cents. I remember that. Right outside the military base gate, there was a McDonald's. We thought it was the most incredible restaurant because we did not go to restaurants because there was five of us kids, and it was an airman that was our dad, and he didn't make a lot of money. And so, man, if we got enough change together, man, we went to McDonald's, and we got a Big Mac, 37 cents. And sometimes we got fries, sometimes we didn't. You know, we, we, got to, we got to share a lot of things like that, okay? But it's one of those type of things where we had an instant culture. Mom didn't have to, to um, um, cook. But, but I, was, I was skimming through, you know how I am on social media, but I'm just skimming through it at, at some ungodly hour of the morning. And, and I just saw something that said, hey, do you remember this McDonald's? And it was like 37 cents right there. I remember that McDonald's, and it made me aware of the culture that we live in. And then I saw something else. And basically it said, you want to know how bad our culture is and how fast we want things? The U.S. Postal Service can get it to you within five, seven, obviously five to seven business days, right? You order something, you don't pay any extra shipping, you get it into five to seven business days. UPS will get it to you in three to five business days, and that's absolutely great. FedEx will get it to you in the next day if it's nearby. But Amazon... Amazon knows that you want it so bad and so fast that before you push by, they're in your bedroom putting it away. That's Amazon, right? It's like, we got to have it now. That's who we are. But sometimes it's important for us to understand that when we didn't get it now, that's the time to pray one more time. That's the time to knock on heaven one more time. That is the time to not give up up and see what God wants to do. You think about this woman, her medical situation. You think about her exhausting her finances, her relationships, her community, and, and then we just stop and ask ourselves, how long are we willing to work for a dream that we want to see come true? How long are you and I willing to keep going to God and say, but this might be the time. This could happen. What if she gave up when she saw the crowd? What if she came to the park where the church was having a service and Jesus was actually there physically in person and she thought, ah, I can't get close to him and so she gives up. What if she gave up when she saw what Jesus looked like? You know, because sometimes when God does something in our lives, it's not the way we want it or expect it to happen. And so we just, we just throw our hands up and say, no, not this way, God, not this way. Nope, nope. What if she showed up and said, yeah, not that Jesus, not the real Jesus. What if she gave up when she saw what all of his followers looked like? I'll give it a rest. Mine's faster than that, way faster. But anyway... What if, what if she shows up and, and she looked at us and she said, yeah, I'm not running with that crowd. I'm not doing it. What if she gave up because she didn't want to work that hard to get to Jesus? What if she gave up, gave up because people might treat her bad if they knew what was really wrong with her? What if she gave up because somebody might yell at her? What if she gave up because somebody might arrest her? What if she gave up 
because the guy that she was going to grab a hold of wasn't a doctor. He didn't know what he was doing. What if she gave up because the government didn't allow it? What if she gave up because she didn't believe? What if she didn't believe, but she was willing to do it one more time anyway? And Jesus met her in that. You know, sometimes Jesus healed people that didn't believe. He, he, he was walking by the, by the pool of Bethesda one time, and there was a crippled man there because that's where crippled people were laying all over the place. And Jesus asked that man and said, hey, do you want to be healed? And that man stood up and gave, or didn't stand up. That man laid there and gave Jesus all the excuses why it could never happen for him. He didn't live in the moment of what if right now. He didn't get excited. He just gave him every poor mouth reason why not me, poor me, so sad me. And Jesus, he never said, I want to be healed and I think you can do it. And instead, Jesus just healed him. What if that happened? What if she had given up because a crowd around Jesus and she wasn't really looking for Jesus. See, we all need Jesus. And we all need to not give up. Not on our salvation. Not on our callings in our lives from heaven. Not on our church. Not on the person we're testifying to at work. God calls us to never, ever, ever give up. I have a family member that I pretty much gave up on because I thought they would never come to know Jesus. And in the moment that I gave up, she found Jesus. And I got to go baptize her, and it was amazing. We got to pray and not give up. I want to encourage you in this. You need to develop a regular habit of gratitude to change your attitude. Are you a grateful person? Are you thankful for what God has done and is doing in your life right now today? Are you sitting here going, Joe, wrap it up. Dude, it's getting hot out here. It's too hot. It could be pouring rain. We could be doing one service in the church packed all in and then it will be hot and sweaty but it won't be raining well in some spots it will be we need a new roof but seriously do you have an attitude where you can be thankful every day i want to encourage you in this okay every day get into the habit of thanking god for five or ten things what could you thank god for real quick i would thank my god for my wife for the hoods the woods and the bellenders that's pretty much all of our family right now for the lattes at purdy's i'm sorry i i, I have to do that i have lattes at purdy i'm thanking god i'm thanking god for frank lola nina and sophie um so much distraction in my life that is such a blessing i'm thanking god for the vineyard i'm thanking god for tuesday mornings with the guys that i meet with to talk about jesus and how jesus affects our lives on a regular basis but in real ways in real moments. I want to thank God for the people that challenge us push, us, push us, and make life miserable so that we will grow during the testings that James talks about. By the way, if you're not in a small group, get in a small group. Okay? We're studying James. And I want to thank God for friends that pray for us and have our back and are there. If you were to just thank God for five things real quick, what would they be? Can we get into the habit of waking up and listing five things as we enter our day that I just need to thank God for? And they are not always the same list. I want to thank God for Janice. I want to thank God for my marriage. I want to thank God. No, no, that's just my first list. Tomorrow's list is going to be different. I want it to be different every time. I want to garner an attitude of gratitude so it will change my altitude, somebody once said. What about this? Number two, you need to ask God what he thinks about your situation. The one that you're hanging on to that you won't let go of, that you're about to walk away from, 
and you're like, I just don't think it's going to happen for me. I want to encourage you, hang on to the moment, but in the moment, ask God what he thinks about your present situation. And just ask this way, do you know what the Bible says about the way you're spending your money? Do you know what the Bible says about your living, your present living conditions? Do you know what the Bible says about going to church or being a Christian out on the golf course? Do you know what the Bible says about that? Because Jesus wants to be in a relationship with you, but I promise you it's founded in your Bible. And that's the first place we go. And then maybe what does your small group say? Talk to your small group leader, your first line of pastoral care sit down and have a discussion say I'm thinking about quitting my job and going back to college and doing this what do you think can you pray for me and then what does your pastor say if this isn't your church what does your pastor say when you describe your situation to him is he encouraging to you and then the third one is you need to not give up on God We live in a world where there's an epidemic of people giving up on God and buying back into the world because God just didn't do it fast enough for us. Joseph waited how many years? Forty. Forty years to see his dream come true because he believed God. And I want to encourage you to not give up on God because this world will soon pass away. But God will not. So what do I need to know if I'm not going to give up on God? I need to know that God loves me. And I can't make you believe that. But I can tell you that the scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his own begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And this is this important. Verse 17 is so crucially important. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. God is not mad at this world. He's not mad at the parades. He's not mad. He does not like sin. He is super unhappy with the devil, but he loves the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his son not to condemn the world. Stop throwing rocks at the world. Let's love the world. Let's call other Christian people out. Say, hey, is that conducive to your relationship to God? But let's make sure we're looking in the mirror first. Let's do that, but let's be community. God loves you. He can't say it any more than he can. Let me ask you, those of you who are married, what could your spouse do right now? <laughs> okay, what could she do right now if money was not an option that would make you believe that he or she loved you so much there's no doubt about it? And some of you are like, it's not money. Good. But if money wasn't an option, some of you are like, we would go on a trip together. And some of you are like, they would come home early from work and just be with me. Some of you are quality time people. Listen, God loves you so much that he paid everything, gave everything, moved everything to save everything that had breath of life in it. He doesn't have anything else to give you. He loves you so much. And if you're not sure what's going on, the scripture says God is always at work, even on your behalf. The psalmist said in Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. God's not sleeping tonight. When you're sleeping, God's not sleeping. He's still at work. He still cares about what you're praying about. He's still at work. It's us. Will we stay the course? Will we persevere? Will we put the next foot in front of the last foot? 
Will we keep doing the things that say, God, we love you? Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God is always at work on your behalf. If he cares about the sparrow when it falls from the sky, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, that he certainly cares about you. The other thing here is God wants what's best for you. Here it comes. As you follow him. I need us as a congregation, if we're going to make a difference in our communities, to grab a hold of the idea that we join God, God doesn't join us. See, he saved us from death, and then he invites us into the kingdom, and then into the kingdom work. And if we say, well, I, I'm, I'm not doing any kingdom work, I, I, just need to, I just need to sit over here on the bench. Listen, we're going to have a, a kickball game in a minute. Some of you signed up for my team. None of you signed up to sit on the bench, okay? You, you signed to kick, you signed to run, you signed to catch, you signed to make sure we win. That's the same thing that God did. He saved us and gave us an eternity and said, now come and follow me. Matthew 6, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than the food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't reap or sow but, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than they? And listen to me. You have to decide when you're looking in the mirror that you are. And a lot of you have been told by people all your growing up days that you're not. And I'm telling you, that's a lie. You are more valuable. You are somebody Jesus would have come and died for if you were the only one that ever said yes to him. You are somebody who God is working on your behalf. But we got to get out of this idea that God is lucky to have me and get into that gratitude attitude that I am lucky that God saved me. I am blessed. I am encouraged. I am adopted. I belong. I'm moving forward. No matter what's going on. I love this. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus was headed to Jairus' house. Is this woman that grabbed a hold of him not at least as important as Jairus' daughter? Yeah. Jesus said, I got a minute because I know what I can do in an hour. So he took the moment, blessed the woman who was healed, and then went and raised the child from the dead. Even when they told him he didn't need to come. Some of you have been praying and praying and praying. And now you're at the place of wanting to give up on your dream, on your hope, on your prayer, on your crying out to God. Giving up on your answer, giving up on your situation, giving up on your marriage, giving up on your job. Some people giving up on their church. Stay the course. Stay the course. Because it's always the next moment, not the last moment, that something's going to happen. The very answer is, keep praying. The very answer is, it doesn't hurt to do a little self-examination. Am I truly walking with God? Am I being, not am I earning His love, am I being who I claim to be? The woman had every right to give up on her situation after 12 years. She had every right to give up on her community, and she had every right to give up on God in her humanity. But if you don't write anything down that I said to you this morning, write this down. She allowed her pain to drive her to God, not away from God. In the midst of her suffering, she did not throw herself down in a tantrum, but rather 
said, if I can just get close to God. And it didn't matter how much work it was going to take, how much shame, how much humiliation. It didn't matter what she had to go through to get there. She was bent on getting there. And she found her healing. Even Job had enough sense to lean into God instead of his worldly friends. And so many times people will run to their worldly friends and their worldly friends will help them unpack Christianity and walk away from God. And that's not the plan. This is not the time to quit. <laughs> this is time to know that my God neither sleeps nor does he slumber. But he is working on your behalf. The moment right before God shows up is often when we throw the towel in. And then we hear somebody say, I was just about to, and there it is. For some of you, your prison is a really bad marriage. What would it take to invest one more dime in that marriage and make it stronger? To change who you are. For some of you, it's a dead-end job. What would it take for you to become the model employee before you left that job so that the next one you walked into, things were different? For some of you... It's, to re the, it's the relist of an injustice that you can't do anything about and you can't get away from in your past. But you can give it to God. Because a lot of times, the things that we've been through become our identity because it becomes where we camp. And the things that we've been through are just things that we've been through. They're not who we are. Because God is leading us forward. Jesus told his disciples a parable. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town that kept coming to him with a plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. But sometime, for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what these people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Quite the culture they lived in back there. But you get the picture. And the Lord said, listen to the, what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? What he's saying is, you keep knocking on God's door. But when I show up, will you still be there knocking? As the worship team comes back up here, I just want to encourage you in these things as I wrap this up. And what I have learned down through the ages as a young man, not raised in a Christian household, but raised in quite a bit of depravity, to be honest with you. And God saved me from that, and he wants to do it for you. But I've learned that you trust God. When you ask God, you trust God. I don't know why that's not a hard thing for me, but it's not. I trust God. I don't like what I've been through in the last couple of months. I don't like what I might going to go through. I don't know. I don't like what I've been through in my youth, but I can tell you this. I know God was there and it brought me to this place right here in front of you right now. And whatever you've been through in all of your life, God has used to bring you to this lawn right here, right now, because he wants you to, to hear these words. Do not give up. Do not back up and do not shut up. But move the kingdom of God forward and watch what he does. Trust God. Ask of God anything that you want to. 
big or small. If your dreams are something that you can actually achieve without God, man, move out of the way and let me show you how to ask God for big things. Some of you be like, man, that's kind of getting kind of greedy. It's my dad. It's my family. It's the family business. As long as God can say no, it's not greed. I want a Parisos life, and I'm not going to let go of my Parisos life. And when I'm suffering, it's because God wants me to have a Parisos life, a life that is so amazing, even in its suffering. Ask God whatever you will, but then take what he gives you and celebrate it with gratitude and begin to watch what happens. In Matthew 7, Jesus said this. He said this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. Isn't it kind of crazy that translated into the English language, that's A-S-K. Ask, seek, knock is ask. A-S-K. What a thing. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened.